Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Why don't we let God do what He does and just see where it all goes. So, thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Landon. That was my wife, Stacy. We're the leaders of this church and uh, just, yeah, super excited about um, what's going on throughout the church, and we've got some cool stuff. We'll give some announcements in a second. But I do have a, uh, a really quick word. Um, uh, this is something that just, like, always is a, is a passion for me, always is burning in my heart. Uh, probably, if not the one of the number one uh, things that God has worked on in my life more than any other subject over the past, say, 20 years uh, would be the subject that I'm going to talk to you today about. So I'm going to talk to you about um, understanding that God has unlimited resources, um, understanding that we are sons and daughters of a king, and so we should function with what today I'm going to call a wealth mindset. This is really a sermon about the miracle before the mindset, the, the mindset before the miracle of how Jesus thought every situation that he approached. <clears throat> you know, we don't have one example of Jesus approaching a situation and not having enough. How many of you have struggled with that feeling of like, we just don't have enough, whatever it is. So can you imagine Jesus walking on the scene and there's a blind man and he says, I'm really sorry, I, I can't heal you. We, we've run out of healing power. Or Jesus finds someone who's broken and says, I'm just really sorry. The father's run out of, of forgiveness. Or uh, as we're going to read here in a second, the, the fish and the loaves of just, he, he didn't look at them and say, I don't have any food for them. They're going to starve. He never once thought like that. And Jesus passed the baton to you and I to live the same lifestyle that he had been living. And I love all the miracle signs and wonders and all that stuff. But today it's more about how he positioned himself as a son to have alignment with the father, to carry out a lifestyle of living with what today I'm going to call unlimited resources. So unless you are raised really well, you are, you are naturally bent to think in terms of lack. We don't have enough. Here, here's an example. If, if I have a piece of pie, and if I have an entire pie and I have four pieces of pie, and there's four people up here, well, natural reasoning would say, if I give each one of them one piece, what does that mean? I don't get any, right? So what I want to do with the pie is not be generous. I want to hide it. I want to hoard it. I want to I wanna really, really contain my blessing. You with me? How many of you, are, you feel that in your heart when I say that? This is in all areas of life. But the thing what the Father has is he has unlimited pies. So and then behind me, there's a billion pies. So if each one of you get a piece, I'll just go get another pie. Now, why is that? Because the Father has unlimited resources. He never thought in terms of lack. He always thought there's always more. There's more than enough all the time. The Father is never at a shortage of anything. So this is really a, a subject of, of dying to ourselves. See, God has plans, but we think, and if we're not careful, we think in ways where we limit what he can do here. So if I think he only has four pieces of pie, I'm going to think within that circumference. You, you following me? But if I know he's got a thousand pies behind me, man, I want to be really generous. 
And I can now function in every situation where the Father has more for me all the time. One of the biggest situations, I'm going to say, in Christianity or the church, whichever language you want to use, we have a hard time celebrating one another um, because we're just naturally selfish people. And so what happens is if someone else gets a breakthrough, it's really difficult unless you've trained yourself to celebrate that person. Typically, the first response is, well, why didn't I get that? Why that didn't happen to me first? And that person got a healing and I didn't. That person got a, a promotion and I didn't. It just seems to always work financially for that person. Man, that person's just a, they're a better parent than me and there's, there's just nothing I can do about it. And what we do, instead of celebrating it, we disconnect from it and don't allow it to influence us to get more. So you could track with me in this. This is repeat for some of you if you've been at my if you've been at Cedar House for a long time. Jesus says this, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive his reward. Okay? That is in all things. That is a spiritual principle. It's a kingdom alignment principle. If I honor something on Cole's life, it opens me up to be influenced by it. Therefore it gets on me. Are you with me? Okay? Um Business leaders would say, you are the sum of the five people you hang around most. That's because you honor those people. You tracking with me? Okay, somebody's with me here. So when I honor what you have on your life, it's for me. Here is why I like hanging around um, people who have breakthrough in a lot of areas in their life, because it's for me, it's not for them. If you can catch this, the favor on your life is not for you. It's for everyone else around you. So it's actually the exact opposite. The actually, the, the dumbest thing you can do is not celebrate someone else because it limits it from getting in your life. It's like a kingdom cheat code. Man, this guy just does really well financially. I'm going to honor that instead of getting stingy with it. You with me? The reason why you can celebrate other people is because God has unlimited resources. And what's on someone else's life is for you not for them. The blessing on your life is for everyone else around you. But if we don't think how Jesus thought with unlimited resources, we see someone else's breakthrough and we get jealous and we don't celebrate it. How many of you have struggled with this 25 times this week? <laughs> it's constant. If you're, if you're around people who are pursuing good things, you should constantly have the daily decision to celebrate or to judge. It is a daily decision if you are trying to advance in the ways of God. That makes sense? Okay, I'm gonna move on here for the sake of time. So I'm super excited about this subject. I'm gonna give you three stories of the, in the life of Jesus pretty quickly here, and then I'm gonna land on some just key components of what I would say that it'll, it'll allow you to know if you're living within a wealth mindset. So Jesus is um, teaching one day. Let's just assume it's a room this big. And uh, people coming from all over because he's healed them all. Jesus is healing the sick, raising the dead, driving out demons, feeding the poor, the Christian life. And people are coming to hear what he has to say. So he's in this room and he's teaching. And all of a sudden, they, there's a paralyzed man and his, his bros are trying to get him into this meeting. And they, he can't get in. There's too many people. And so they cut a hole in the roof. They start cutting a hole in the roof. I love this story. And so they start cutting a hole as Jesus is talking. They lower the man in. And long story short, Jesus healed the man. Okay. 
Jesus. Now, what 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 am I thinking of? Someone's doing it at this church. I'm thinking the church budget. I'm I'm not kidding. I am thinking, oh my gosh, they're putting a hole in the roof. I am thinking in a natural mindset. Jesus was looking at these people's faith, and he honored the pursuit of what they were doing. Jesus wasn't thinking in the natural budget. He was thinking in his Father's budget. So here's, here's, this is what this does to me. How many times do we miss what God wants to do due to our natural budget? See, we think within the, f- the one pie. I only have this much money. And, and it's not about money. It's about anything, resources, parenting, what, whatever it is for you, you get it, lack, time, energy, anything. How many times does God want to do something but we assess the situation and think that won't that doesn't make sense. We can't do it. That's not how Jesus thought about things. What is the Father doing? That's where we put our time and energy. And that's really difficult because when you look at your budget each month, again, I'm using money because it's simple to understand monetary. You look at it each month, but God's telling you to do this, and it doesn't reconcile. We get to live in this reality, or we get to pursue what God is saying. And I don't want to miss the miracles because of my lack mindset. You guys with me? Okay, here's another story. I love this story so much. Uh, This is in Mark uh, 14, verse 3. So meanwhile, while Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy, while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Okay, you can look this up yourself. Most theologians would say that was like... Thirty to $70,000 bottle of perfume. Unless you are really, really wealthy, that is a very expensive bottle of perfume, okay? So this is what they, this is what some of those sitting at the table were indignant and said, why waste such expensive perfume? It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor, poor, so they scolded her harshly immediately thinking in a natural mindset. Wages, and what else could we have done with that money? I'm going to come back to that. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor amongst you. You cannot, but and you can help them whenever you want to, but you cannot always have me with you. She has done what she could and anointed my body and for the burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. We're literally doing what Jesus said. We're discussing this woman's good deed. Okay, no, just follow me here. Jesus is the feed the poor guy. He shows up, feed the poor. He's constantly talking about if people have less than you, give it to them. I mean, he gets so radical. If they ask you for anything, give it to them. Give them more than what they ask for, even if they've harmed you. I mean, this is the message that he's just championing all the time. Now, all of a sudden... There's, I'm going to say $30,000. A woman comes in with $30,000 and pours this perfume on his feet. The people around him are thinking in a natural mindset, that's a year's wages, and we could have given this to the poor. Okay. Why can Jesus be okay with that? Here's why. Jesus is thinking in unlimited resources. The $30,000 on his feet to him doesn't mean the poor are not going to be fed. He's thinking in unlimited resources. Uh, in big ministries, people have a lot of opinions about where the money goes. Because we're thinking in, in a lack mindset. 
if we give 7% of our money to local outreach stuff and 4% to missions because that's what we feel like God said to do, then that's what God said to do, and God will take care of things because he has unlimited resources. How quick we're to judge of where to put time and energy and resources when Jesus is thinking it can all be done. Are you with me? Isn't this awesome that this is our God? He's not like a 75% God. He's an all-the-way God. And so Jesus is functioning in this moment. He's training them, hey, it's not, you're going to have the opportunity to do that. Jesus isn't thinking, oh, no, this $30,000 means six people are going to die because the Father has unlimited resources. Are you with me? Okay. I'm going to talk about, let me just talk about stewardship for a second. I am not saying go be stupid and do dumb things and never look at your budget and don't have accountability, okay? I'm just challenging you on a one-sided of things today to think in unlimited resources. Pastor Landon is not saying don't steward, okay? We're going to talk about that more in a second. Okay, Um, last one, very well-known story. So in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the, the story of the fish and loaves is in all of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here. So there's, uh, let's just 5 to 15,000 people, depending on, what, you know, we don't know exactly. Let's just say 10,000 people are there. Jesus, they're all coming to hear Jesus. And they, uh, the, Jesus, there's two different, he's, there's two different ways to view this story, cause, and he tells the same story in two different ways. I'm going to go with, with one side first. Jesus is, is sitting there. And the disciples say, hey, we need to send these people away because they're not going to have enough food. And so one of them says, this would be six to nine months wages. We've got to send them away. And Jesus turns to him and says, you feed them. Okay, what's he doing here? Let's put this in our context of today. Are our natural resources of what, how we want to budget things well, no, we can't do this. Well, we got to make sure, we got to have these logistical plans. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. So he says, they're confused. And he says, bring me this fish and these loaves. And he multiplies it and everyone eats. What is he doing there? He's teaching them how to think. Hey, guys, stop thinking like that. Open your mind, think in unlimited resources. Don't think in lack. And sow into this moment and watch what I do. Are you with me? I uh, love this so much. There's another one that's in, uh, it's the same story, but in different, he says it a little bit differently. It's in Mark 6, where Jesus asks them, basically he says to them, hey, how are you going to feed them? And it says, let me, let me read it to you. This is too good to pass up. Um, okay, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Okay, uh, Jesus climbed on a hill, sat down at his disciples around him. Uh, It was almost time for the Jewish celebration. So Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look at him. Turning to Philip, he said, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. He's working on Philip's mindset. Are you you tracking this? He said, Philip replied, even if I worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, there's a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that? with this huge crowd. Jesus then performs the miracle. He's, he's working on how they're thinking in this moment. It's not about the miracle. It's about the thought process 
of thinking that the Father has more than enough. I love that so much. Can I get an amen? So, in our normal life on a day-to-day basis for you and I, how much does that creep in when you start to think about kids' colleges, when you start to think about energy for your marriage, when you start to think about time? We start to think in finite resources. And when we do that, if we're not careful, we'll limit what God is saying and what God is doing. Okay. I am a very big fan of stewardship, like massive fan of stewardship. Probably... I walk this line where I believe it's all about God's sovereignty and it's all about our choice and our stewardship. They're both 100% true in my mind all the time. So, but there's a place in God. You got it? This is a thin line and you need to have accountability for this. There's a place in God where stewardship looks like risking. Are Are you with me? Stewardship looks like that doesn't make sense. I'm going to move in the opposite. I'm not saying it's a lifestyle of that. I'm saying be wise and have people around you. But in always thinking in a logical mindset and spiritually doesn't translate to the life that Jesus led. But I am not saying don't steward. I believe you should work really hard all the time. Adam and Eve in the garden worked They were not lazy and expected God to do everything for them. They did not put all of their problems on God. They worked. We should steward every day. But within the stewardship, there is a place where God will highlight to us that we need to risk. And I would consider that kingdom stewardship. Okay. Thank you. Love it. All right. So I'm going to read a couple of these examples. You're not going to remember all these. That's fine. My goal here today is to read some of these. Some of them will maybe convict you or just grab a hold of your heart, and at the end we're going to pray over these things. So here's some characteristics of living in a wealth mindset. So the first one is that possessions show your internal world. So your possessions don't puff you up. They're simply representing your soul. Therefore, you don't have to continually fight for what you have. When your internal world is healthy, possessions are tools for you to serve others more effectively, not show your worth through insecurity. So if that's you, you can raise your hand, and we're going to cast out the devil of uh, kidding. That would be cool, too, though. If you need that done, that's a, it's a good time for that. Okay. Uh, wealth mindset is that you're anxious for nothing. I don't think anything will be taken from me, and if it is, I have unlimited resources. I don't need to hide or hoard any of my belongings because there's more. I'm not worried about the next steps of life because I know that he will take care of me. Um. Wealth mindset preserves through all things. Tough times don't dictate truth. His promises do. Every obstacle is an opportunity to learn. I know my father only has good for me, so I steward each challenge knowing this is training. that good? The wealth mindset is confident in our father. I don't trust in the loaves and the fish. I trust in him. All of his promises are yes and amen, and I get to put my confidence in what he has already accomplished. This makes me confident, not arrogant. The wealth mindset is enveloped in grace. I fully grasp that what I have is because someone else paid for it. I can steward with a fierceness, yet hold it lightly because all I have is his. I am always walking an unmerited favor and agreement. I love that so much. 
this this concept right here i'm going to go off the subject a little bit but of i can i can steward it yet hold it lightly because all i have is his <laughs> uh, we were hanging out with friends last night and they were asking us how the church is going 2020 and 2021 it's not been a fun time for any believer i guess but as a church leader in america uh if you signed up with half-heartedness through these times it was not a fun time it really it really for us it, uh, it we are thankful that it all happened put it that way but it was not what we expected out of nowhere for a bunch of things that took place so i was telling friends last night I, I'm holding the ministry lighter than I ever have, but I care for it more than I ever have. What I mean is I, we can't, Stacy and I can't, I'm using this as an example, you have this in your own life. I, I feel like if, if it's like laying down your life to gain it. It's like, okay, I had an idea of what the church was supposed to look like. S things didn't turn out that way. I'm going to hold it lightly and let God care for it. So uh, my stewardship is actually in holding it lightly and yielding to God. I just love that. It's this trust of I'm going to let it go. Problem in your marriage, I'm going to hold it lightly. Money, resources, time, energy, relationship, I'm, I'm going to let it go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow it. I'm going to allow God to be God in the moment. I'm not going to get my hands around everything. I'm going to let him be God. That speaks to me. Okay. Um, all right. So the wealth mindset, um, it's, it, let, it lets money serve. Money serves God's vision. I don't serve it. I don't serve money. I use money as a tool to accomplish everything the Father has for me. I tell money what to do. It doesn't tell me what to do. Trust is a higher currency in the kingdom than money is in the natural world. Okay, wealth mindset is content. I have found peace in all circumstances. Like Paul in the Bible, I do not need to worry in the valley or the mountainous seasons. I am content in all things because I'm in the Father's kingdom. All right, here's a couple more of these kind of drive it home. Okay, the wealth mindset, being a son and daughter of the king, knows God is a provider. I ultimately know where my income is coming from. My boss doesn't dictate my income, my internal health, and my obedience to the Father does. I'm going to challenge you here. Going off script. This one right here of God being the one who controls your income and your internal health and alignment with him is true. I, uh, outside of the church, I work, I'm one of the leaders of a, there's four vice presidents, and it's a 350-person company. I'm one of the four. And I'm telling you, and I have a boss. And the moment that people look for me for their income or I look to my boss for my income, I'm telling you, I get my eyes off God. This is a big deal. If you, if you are trying to get, if you are putting your hope in your boss to for them to provide for you, that is not correct. doesn't matter what's in the natural doesn't matter what the market is doing it doesn't matter what he's doing your trust being in god that god knows what you need and you work hard if you're called to be there be there you work hard and the resources will follow if you have a boss and that person bothers you and you're supposed to be there 
and you're supposed to be there. Now, that's I'm assuming you've prayed and you took this job that you're supposed to be there. Honor that person, even if it's irritating and frustrating. Don't talk to someone to the left or the right and the water cooler. None of that stuff. I'm talking, I, I could talk about this for hours from a cultural standpoint, but from a kingdom perspective, that person does not dictate you. God does. Pray for that person. Honor that person. They are not the ones who puts money in your pocket. God does. There's a lot of scripture on that in the Old Testament. I would just really encourage you. I get to see it from all different angles and multiple different organizations. And the moment that you view your boss as the one who truly is the one that pays you, it's going to get disjointed. God pays you. Sound good? If money flees from you, and you find that money, again, I'm so sorry, this isn't about money, I'm using money because it's quantifiable, Jesus used money in his examples too, if money flees from you, if it doesn't stick around you, you're either not in alignment with what God has for you or where the money's coming from, or, you, or there's something going on in your internal world that can't manage wealth. I'm on fire here, babe. I found my pocket. I love this pocket. If you find that resources stay away from you and they don't attract to you, change something. Ask God, what is in me that I can't manage resources that are coming to me? If it is a lifestyle where where opportunity flees from you instead of is attracted to you, position yourself differently. Ask God, why is that happening? Are you with me? It's really good. That is really, really good. I'm saying this as someone who, again, as I said at the beginning, then this is probably the number one subject God has dealt with me on in 20 years of living, coming from a poverty mindset into a wealth mindset. And, and I can't, I'm not doing a good job articulating this, but it has a l- nothing to do with money. But again, it just, it literally has nothing to do with money, but it's thinking in lack versus thinking and resources. So if you struggle with that, put yourself around people who think in unlimited resources. Put yourself around people who dream and who want, who, th- who think abnormally, <sighs> let's see, how would I say this? When I was like 20, I was like, we're gonna have a revival. It's gonna be a billion people. The Holy Spirit's gonna come. Glory clouds are gonna float. I mean, this whole thing. I did not realize how much work that was going to be. Rick Joyner says, revival to the people who know God sounds like, it looks like work. Uh, Right? Am I quoting that correctly? That's Rick Joyner right there. I'm just, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, So what, what, what naturally wants to happen to me as I get, I mean, I'm almost, I'm only about to be 39. Don't let the gray hair fool you. I'm still young. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, I am kind of in a midlife crisis, but it's like a beautiful thing that's happening here, um, yeah, yep, thank you, Wes, Wes can tell when I get completely lost, (laughs) like half in the spirit, half looking at the clock, all of these things at once, um, but the natural mindset, yeah, the clock's wrong anyway, 
Um, the natural mindset is that I I I want to dream less about church because of how hard it's been to maintain church. And I'm using this in my life. You have your own in your business or your job, your house, whatever it may be. And so I want to dream less because I don't want to invite the pain of dreaming really big. Now that's wrong. I need to dream really big. When the Israelites came out of captivity, Scripture says they were like ones that dreamed again. And so it's like, if I function within my natural resources, I won't dream. I love this subject so much. Okay. Wealth mindset knows that mistakes are temporary. Mistakes are never to th- mistakes are never a threat to prevent blessing. I use every circumstance to learn. The Father desires a yielded heart over perfection. Hey, if you feel like a once-in-a-lifetime o- opportunity... If you feel like you've missed a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and it's never coming back to you, that's not how kings think. How many of you have had a mo- that a big regret financially? Am I the only one that has had a huge regret financially? See, I, I, believe, I, I believe that if you're in a line with the Father, the opportunity came, something may have happened, but it will happen again if you just stay in line with him. Um, wealth mindset says that... Um, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities are normal. So you know what? Actually, being the children of God, managing a lot of options and choices is actually the Christian life, not just having one choice. I'm going to stay on this for a little bit. This is a big deal. Learning how to manage your yes is more important than asking God to show you. If you have six negatives and one positive, it's very easy to go, obviously God's doing the positive. If you have seven options coming to you, then you really need to learn how to manage your yes. Are you with me? And if opportunity is normal for you in the kingdom, then that should be, there should be a constant choice of which path do I choose, and they're all positive. I love that so much. Amen. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate you. All right. Here's the last ones. All right. Wealth mindset can't afford to withhold I grasp generosity. I delight in giving. I have too much to give away to keep it all to myself. I am blessed to bless others. I will encourage you, uh, Bill Johnson, those of you know who he is, he has a quote. He says, he says, I found, he said, I found a demon that can't be cast out. It can only, it has to be given away, and it's poverty. And so what he says is, the only way you can overcome it is to give. If you feel like you're hoarding and you're living in lack, go give a big gift away. Like, let it hurt you. I've told stories of Stacy and I when we moved here. We gave by far the most money we've ever had at one time. Literally, we just decided. You know who wrote, you know Robert Morris is? He wrote a book on uh, generosity. He ruined, he ruined our life for a season in a good way. And we, li- we, had, we flipped this house and made a very large amount of money. And we just felt like God said, okay, just give it all away. And we're like, oh, God, please, Jesus. I'm literally doing street ministry in downtown Seattle, not making a dollar. We flip a house, huge chunk of money, even today, a huge chunk of money, gave it all away. But what, you didn't know me before then, but I can't express to you how much it just, okay, God's my provider. 
I'm not going to put my faith in the chariots and the horses. God's my provider. So I just encourage you, please don't, um, again, get around wise counsel. But if you can't get over this poverty thing and you need, you need to be in a wealth mindset, just being, start being generous. Isn't that a good saying? I love it. Okay. Uh, last one. Uh, wealth mindset enjoys responsibility. I enjoy stewarding so I can manage more of what the Father has for me. That's it. I, uh, this is a big deal to me. I, I really think as a church, uh, as a community where we're going and what we're doing, people thinking that God has more options than we currently have is a big deal. Think about this when you're at the grocery store. Think about this when you are buying a new shirt. Think about this next time you're on Amazon.com. And what are the things that prick your soul? You can feel that poverty thing come, come in and get on you, and you're like, whoa, 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 I'm not thinking like a son or a daughter. You with me? I just want to pray for a couple minutes over this. That sound good? Did any of those things really touch anybody's heart? Okay, all of them touch my heart. If I ask people to stand up, that that touch your heart, would everyone stand up or would just be a few? I'm honestly asking. Everyone would stand? Okay, then you can stay seated. I'll do a blanket prayer. If it was like seven people, I was going to individually ask everyone to stand. Cool. Uh, I'm going to pray for this. Holy Spirit, uh, thank you for truth. Jesus, thank you for modeling the heart of the Father so perfectly. Thank you that you always have more than enough. God, we repent for thinking in lack. God, I repent for looking at my budget over what you're doing in all areas of life. I repent for looking at my energy, time, opportunity, and not trusting because you have unlimited resources. I thank you for the process of stewardship and that you're training us in this time of how to think so, Lord, we want, to be our, we want our hearts to be in position to where you turn to us and say you feed them, that our response is yes and not thinking in natural terms. What you've called us to do, Lord, we just give you a yes. We don't want to outthink it, outsmart it with our natural thinking. So, Lord, I pray for everyone in the room that you would continue or, or start, if this is new to anybody, to... Uh, in, a, in a holy way, convict our hearts when we come across uh, not thinking like a son of a king or a daughter of a king. And so, Lord, I thank you that this is a journey. This isn't overnight. Um, Lord, I do ask for um, everyone in the room that they would have people around them that are wise and give good counsel during all things that you'd, you'd put the lonely in families, that you'd surround us with counsel on all fronts and that we're not rogue, we're not doing things on our own, but we're surrounded with godly men and women and all things. And Lord, I, I do I ask for an influx of resources for, the, for Baton Rouge to see transformation, businesses to be attracted here. God, I ask for our government leaders to... Uh, understand uh, tax positions so businesses want to come here, that we would think forward thinking, not short-term but long-term. God, that every church in the city 
would have resources to do kingdom work. Every nonprofit would have that. So resources to accomplish your goals. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.